Tony Kemp on first, two out in a three to three ball game. LeClerc delivers. And Springer pops one into left field, hooking toward the line, and that's down for a base hit. Gallo has it on one hop. The Ronald scores. Stassi makes it a four to three ball game on George Springer. His RBI single. Gallo almost got to that. This is another Astros podcast. Drew Beltre, a lot of fastballs in yesterday's game, but finished him off three times on those breaking balls. Low stance from the right side. Here's the 1-1. That's chopped left side. Bregman comes on the field. It goes to second for one. Altuve on the first. That's two. And that's the ball game. 5-4-3 double play ends it. And the Astros hold on for a 4-3 win over the Rangers. That is four straight wins for the Astros, and they've taken the first three games of this series. And welcome back to Arlington. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks joined by Brandon Taubman, Astros Senior Director of Baseball Operations. So good to see you, Brandon, as we're always joined every Sunday by a member of the Baseball Operations Department. And uh, obviously some some bad news today with uh, Joe Smith going on the disabled list uh, with the with the elbow soreness. Uh, what what do you know about Joe Smith at this point, and, and do you have a, an idea of a timetable? So last night we made a move. We put Joe Smith on the 10-day DL with right elbow soreness, and we made a recall of Raymond Goudouin from AAA Fresno. So uh, with a player like Joe, um, you know, a little bit older, has some time, we just want to be precautionary in the way that we manage him. I think he's fine. He'll be back in due course. And in the meantime, we've added a reliever in Goudouin who complements our bullpen quite nicely because he's got elite left-on-left stuff. So um, you may see him today in a key spot in the sixth inning or so against the pocket of lefties. I think that's how A.J. will use him. And this is a player that historically has had some command issues, but this year in Fresno, he's, he's commanding a little bit better. He's walking fewer than three per nine. He's striking out nine per nine. And he's got a wipeout slider. So left on left, it's a great look for AJ and another weapon for him out of the pen. And Brandon, it seems like Carlos Correa could go, you know, if need be. But they're just you guys decided to give him a little bit more rest with the off day tomorrow. That's right. There's no cause for concern really here. You know, he's our he's our franchise player, or one of them at least, and we want to be a little bit more conservative with the way that yeah. we manage his his health. And uh, you know, we have the off day tomorrow, so there is even more of a reason to give him the day off today and let him get a few days off before, you know, we, we hopefully have him back in the lineup on, on Tuesday. But uh, with intercoastal strains, they can nag on a little bit and they're kind of easy to aggravate. So we're just taking a conservative approach, but our fans can rest assured he'll be back in action in, in due time. Very good. You know, you mentioned the uh, the off day tomorrow and, and four more off days in the schedule this year. How much of a difference do you really think that'll make over the over the course of a season and when you evaluate guys and getting guys a little bit more rest? It's huge, especially for us, a team that played 200 games last year, yeah. plus between spring training and the playoffs. It seems like early in the ev- early going of the season that, you know, uh, health management and rest is, is a really important, of the, important part of the way that A.J. manages the team and I think it's felt the most with with the bullpen, right? Having a few extra guys down because, you know, they've they've pitched a bunch of innings in recent time. But even with our position players, it's super helpful to have that off day, that extra day of rest. And you see AJ doing that a little bit more earlier in the season this year. Hey, this question is twofold. And you mentioned health management. And it looks like AJ is thinking about trying to mitigate some of that with Brian McCann, who's got a balky knee and being able to rest him a little bit more. But you have a viable backup right now in Max Stassi. I'm curious on... What you guys talk to Max about as far as his pitch framing uh, going into spring training this year, because it's noticeably much better. 
Well, the first thing I want to say about Max is that I feel like he's no longer in that echelon of, of backup catchers. I mean, for me, he's an all-star caliber catcher, and that might sound crazy, but this is a player that's really transformed his game over the past year or so. He's transformed his swing. It's a clean swing now, good mechanics, and makes great swing decisions. And like you said, on defense, his framing, his blocking, his throwing, everything is, is average or better. And so I think we have a very special player here to platoon and pair with McCann, who's also an excellent catcher. But Stassi's the real deal. And um, like you say, it helps us with the health management aspect with McCann because you know, it's no secret that he's great when healthy, but the past few seasons, there's been a bit of a decline in the second half. So we want to be proactive about that and give him the rest that he needs along the way so that we could be sure to have a, you know, a, uh, an excellent catching tandem down the stretch. Are you guys noticing things that you're able to pass along to the catchers in the minor leagues, things that major league catchers do better than others as far as the framing? Definitely. And that's not really my forte, but we're lucky that we have a manager that's the next catcher and sure. Mark Bailey, our, our catching coordinator in the minor league. So, you know, they they know catching technique better than, than anyone. And our front office has put some good feedback tools in place. And between the coaching expertise and the good feedback tools, our catchers are routinely reviewing their, you know, stolen balls, um, forfeited strikes and so on. And, and Stassi especially. I mean, he's He's a hound. He's a baseball rat in the video room. He's constantly looking at his, you know, his technique, how his elbows position, whether he's stabbing at the ball, those sorts of things. So past few days on the road, it's been cool to hang out in the video room and, and see how Max prepares. And I think he appreciates that in this day and age, framing is a quantifiable, mm -hmm. appreciated skill by front office groups. And he's working his butt off to, to be one of the best in the game there. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks once again joined by Brandon Taubman, Astros Senior Director of Baseball Operations. And the draft uh, was completed this past week, three-day draft uh, from Monday through Wednesday. Astros 28th uh, overall selection in the first round picked up uh, Seth Beard, uh, power hitter from from Clemson. I know uh, there were some questions about uh, his position potentially, but you look at the power and also the the walks to strikeouts. I mean, it's it's a pretty impressive package. Yep. Well, first I want to say congrats to Mike Elias and the scouting team for an excellent draft. And one of the bad parts about being one of the best teams in baseball is you pick late, and we have less money to pick at twenty eight. And the industry is coming more efficient, and it's just so awesome to see those guys who bust their butt for 12 months straight to get together for a three-day stretch and, and build towards the future of our organization. So appreciate their effort. And with Seth Beer at 28, I think we got really lucky that he fell as far as he did because for us, he's one of the best bats, if not the best bat, in the 2018 draft. There are some questions about his position. He played right field for Clemson. But uh, we think that you know we can help him be a major league average or a better corner outfield, and he has a chance at first base as well. So, you know, this is a guy with a real polished approach, great swing mechanics. Um, he's had a 1,000-plus OPS for four straight years at one of the best collegiate environments in, in the country. So we're really bullish on him, feel very fortunate that he fell to us at 28. And in the second round, you, you got a high school pitcher, and then after that, the next 28 pitches or picks or so were college players. Do you guys feel like there's less risk picking a player that's that's gone out and lived on their own for a little bit? There is less risk, definitely, and that's because you have a whole lot more information to base your draft decisions. You have two, three, or four years of performance record at at you know universities or in some cases junior colleges, and that helps us make better decisions in the draft. And that's kind of been our MO back to the days where, you know, Jeff was scouting director in St. Louis. So 
you know, there's a perception that I think that, you know, there's more upside with the JUCO or the high school kids, and that may be true to an extent. But if our goal is to get as many major league players as possible, I think we're following the right strategy. And, you know, Mike's MO, Mike Elias, has been just take the best player on the board. So I applaud him for doing that. I'm really excited about our draft results. You mentioned also, too, with all the, the college picks and you mentioned picking low in the draft. That means a, a lower bonus pool as well. And high school players tend to have more leverage in the draft because they can go on to college. College players obviously don't have the, the same leverage. Go back for a senior year or if they're seniors, obviously, uh, they don't have very much leverage at all. Did that factor into picking all the college players as well? Because signability, signability is a big issue, too. To an extent, it, it matters, and you're right, there's a big economic component to the signing bonuses awarded to, to draft picks. But I think in this case, it's more that the players we were most attracted to were coming from four-year colleges. You typically see teams um, taking advantage, for lack of a better term, of, of players that have you know spent four years in college and maybe don't have that leverage later in the draft, maybe mm-hmm. in the eighth, ninth, and tenth round, where you've kind of already allocated more money than slot to a top pick and then have to make make up for that in the late day two rounds. But that's not what, what happened here. I think in, in this case, Elias is targeting the uh, the best players possible. And our fans are going to be really excited to see some of these players mature through our player pipeline. Brandon, everybody talks about after the draft is where the attention starts to, to focus a little bit more now, especially with the major league organization toward the trade deadline. What do you guys do to get things in place to to try to make this team better later on? Well, this year we're starting really early, actually. We're, we're well on our way in preparing. We're lucky that there's not that much mm-hmm. work to be done. It kind of feels like we have an all-star team, and we need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, if we go at a bat, well, uh, who's that taking time away from? That's That might be Evan Gaddis. You know, Gaddis is crushing the ball right now. He right. appears to be one of our best hitters. So um, similarly in the bullpen, you know, you go out and get an arm, well, you know, we have Tony Sip who's pitching great. We have Joe Smith, who, who has pitched great and will continue to pitch great when he comes back from a DL stint. So that makes our job a little bit more difficult to identify the right players. And we need to be careful that we, we don't just make a move to make a move because our fans are expecting that. We need to make sure if we make a move, it's one that's actually improving our team. So, uh, you know, we, we're getting prepared in the early going. Um, we have field scouts and, and front office folks that are already pouring into this, and we're keeping Jeff apprised of our opinions throughout. And I expect that in uh, in early or mid-July, that's kind of where the conversations pick up with other teams. But like I said, I mean, we're in a great spot right now. And um, I know that we're, we're neck and neck with Seattle, but our feeling is that we have a great team and a, and a great chance of, of going deep this year. Senior Director of Baseball Operations, Brandon Taubman, always good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. The Houston Astros Radio Network. And he lifts this one. Left field. Arriba. Gurriel. Yuli Gurriel. Steve Sparks, Robert Ford. Whoever in this crowd wasn't standing before, well, they're getting to their feet now. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network.